The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You are not supposed to wish your life away, and uh, I will not do so. But I will state a preference that uh, I wish the midterms were tomorrow and not a week from now. So I'm not wishing the next week away because uh, every day gives us an opportunity to affect other people in a positive way, to correct lies, to extol truth. I'm just saying I wish the midterm elections were going to be tomorrow and not a week from tomorrow. It looks pretty good for Republicans at this point. Who knows, maybe another week will help Lee Zeldin become the governor of New York, will help the Washington Senate race to turn red, will result in J.D. Vance strengthening his race against Tim Ryan. I almost said lead, but I'm not really sure he has a lead. Uh, But in that realm, we will talk today with Steve Cortez. Steve is a uh, business guy, former CNBC commentator. He was on the Trump team. Uh, He has an expertise in business. We'll ask him what's going on with the diesel fuel looming crisis here in this country. We're down to like 25 days of diesel fuel, and we have diesel skyrocketing in price, uh, which affects, of course, everything that gets to market, how it gets to market, because those big trucks run on diesel. Also, you planning on flying anywhere over the holidays, booking a flight? Uh, I'd lock it in. Because airplanes and airports and airlines use a lot of diesel fuel. And if we're running low on it, the Christmas travel holiday season could be quite dicey. Dicey but not dangerous, but Columbus is dangerous. You know that. I need more detail on what happened uh, late on Sunday night. But it sure looks bad that a 21-year-old man, Kevin Sabnoski, Driving with three friends. I don't know if he was driving or riding in a car. The men were 18, 19, 20, 21, somewhere in that vicinity. And they were driving near the airport on Cassidy Avenue. Cassidy Avenue is a major thoroughfare over by uh, the airport. And a lot of hotels on it, a lot of restaurants on it, a lot of commerce around there, as you would expect, near an airport. And there's a Sheets gas station there. Well, Kevin Sabnoski and his three friends were riding in a car at 3.50 a.m. I know it's late, but it doesn't mean they were doing anything wrong. And he was shot by a bullet that came from the parking lot of the Sheets gas station. Now, this doesn't mean that Sheets is a super ultra dangerous place more than any other gas station. It just means that somebody was there on the Sheets property. And fired a weapon. And we don't know if he was aiming at the car that Kevin Sabnoski was in. But we know that the bullet hit Kevin Sabnoski. If this is the worst case scenario where Kevin Sabnoski was driving along with three friends minding his own business. Having had no interaction with anyone who fired this gun at the Sheets gas station. We don't know if Sabnoski had been there before. If he was there a few minutes earlier and left. Store video will show us if that's the case or if that's not the case. But the way the details of this 
what, 119th murder in Columbus are being portrayed right now. It looks like Kevin Sobnowski was a completely innocent bystander mining his mining his own business, sitting or driving in a car just a little bit before 4 o'clock Sunday morning, and by 4.15 Sunday afternoon, a little over 12 hours later, he was dead. Uh, this hits home for me because Saturday night... I was part of a charity event at a beautiful facility on East Broad Street, not Franklin Park. There's another, probably several beautiful places there. And I don't want to mention the place because I don't want you to think that I'm saying this particular place is dangerous. And I'm not going to mention the organization because I don't want it associated with anything. Because all it would be associated with is my own fear and my own recognition that at certain hours of the day, really, I think I'm giving Columbus the benefit of the doubt there because what happened around two weeks ago, just outside Franklin Park, which is right there too, tells me that anything can happen at any hour in Columbus, Ohio. But anyway, my wife and I were at this charity event on Saturday night, and we arrived at the charity event thanks to our... uh, map feature on our cell phone by taking 670 east to Leonard Avenue and getting off Leonard Avenue and taking Leonard Avenue back toward Broad Street. And as we were driving in at 6 o'clock-ish at night, it was light outside and I'm viewing the neighborhood and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not comfortable coming back this way at night when I know it's going to be dark. Because it looked like a neighborhood where something bad could happen. And I don't want it to happen to me and my wife because our girls are at home by themselves and I don't want them to get that phone call or that knock on the door. And before we left the charity event, I spoke to a friend of mine who works downtown. I said, if you were me and I'm heading west out of Columbus, how would you get out of here tonight? Now, that's a question I would have never asked before. Before I never would have asked that question before. But because of what our city has become, because of what virtually every city has become since George Floyd's death in Minneapolis in May of 2020, those are questions that prudent people ask because you now know that something bad is perfectly capable of happening to you even if you have No involvement, zero involvement, zero interaction, zero acts to grind. You've done nothing to anyone, but because of drugs and prostitution and crime and human trafficking and all of its tentacles, you now have to, if you are a purposeful, thinking, rational, analytical person, you now have to ask those questions just so that you're not caught by surprise. And thankfully, we made it home just safe. And then I get in and I read this, and I'm thinking, that's not all that far from where I was Saturday night. Sure, it was a day later, but these kinds of things can and do happen all the time. And I don't think there'll be a hue and cry with multiple press conferences downtown and Mayor Andrew Ginther and his police leadership, Elaine Bryant and... um, LaShawna Potts, I don't think they'll be holding multiple press conferences bemoaning the death 
of Kevin Sobnoski. Like they would if Kevin Sobnoski were wanted on warrants and he didn't come to the door and a police officer shot him because he had a hair trigger in the aftermath of the person who was wanted by the warrant not answering the door. Those kinds of deaths get a lot of headlines. And interestingly enough, those kinds of deaths take forever to clear the police officer of wrongdoing. Do you remember do you remember a story from April of 2021 where Westerville police were called, Columbus police were called to the report of a guy who was just passed out on a city park bench in the middle of a sunny afternoon. I remember that story because they took the guy to St. Anne's Hospital where all three of our girls were born. And when the cops from Columbus were in the emergency room with him because he was wanted on an outstanding warrant and patting him down, they found a gun in his pants. And when they found the gun in his pants, this guy decided to resist arrest. And over the course of the next, I don't know, what, 10, 15 minutes? He had fired his gun already. St. Anne's Security, Westerville Police, Columbus Police. They kept shouting at him, put the gun down, put the gun down. They gave him every opportunity to put the gun down. They warned him over 90 times to put the gun down. He didn't put the gun down. He actually fired the gun another time at Columbus Police or at the security officers there. And they then fired at him and shot him and killed him. April of 2021. It's now a year and a half later, as cut and dried a case as you could possibly have of police being excessively patient with someone trying to kill them, and they were cleared on Friday. On Friday. It took a year and a half for police officers to be cleared in that. How would you like to have that? hanging over your head for a year and a half. That's what being a police officer has become in that town, in this town. Kevin Sobnoski, that's what minding your own business, apparently, maybe not, maybe he was involved in a fight, we'll find out, but this sure looks like he's driving along on Cassidy Avenue around 4 a.m. and a stray bullet hits him and kills him. If you want to know why our city's dangerous, it might be because we don't support our police officers when they execute their job to the letter. And instead, we magnify cases where we can pose police officers as a danger rather than as the protection they are. One of the big issues in the upcoming midterm election is crime. We talked about crime in segment number one. 21-year-old man riding with his friends Saturday night, shot by a random bullet. He died. And a lot of the times when we find the responsible party in a crime, whether it's here in Ohio, whether it's in New York City or California or wherever it is, it turns out that the person has a long, extensive criminal record. The guy who bumped the minding his own business pedestrian in the New York subway into onto the train tracks a week or so ago 
that guy, long criminal record. Virtually every time you see some kind of random assault, it's someone who has a long, extensive criminal record. No different here in Columbus. Friday, police arrested 24-year-old Cedric Hollingsworth. Cedric Hollingsworth uh, should never get out of jail if what he is alleged to have done is indeed what he has done because Cedric Hollingsworth is uh, now locked up on two charges of felonious assault. He was watching the six-month-old baby of his apparent girlfriend and a two-year-old when police were called to the house because the mom was fearful for her children's safety. Why was she fearful for her children's safety? Because Cedric Hollingsworth uh, had told her that when he's watching the baby and the baby cries, and I quote, I knock her out, I punch her, and I choke her until she stops crying. Uh, The six-month-old was taken to Nationwide Children's Hospitals where, um, indeed, doctors found out that uh, she did have um, a skull fracture and had choke marks on her neck. Now, this is not, unfortunately, Cedric Hollingsworth's first brush with the law. By the way, she, the little girl had a broken left collarbone as well. Uh, he has uh, been charged with felonious assault at least two other times since 2018. And a third charge was uh, dismissed in... January of this past year, Cedric Collingsworth was charged with felonious assault when he pulled out a gun and fired multiple shots at his brother with whom he had a dispute over $10. $10. So these are the kinds of crime stories that make all of us shake our head because we're like, what is this guy doing? And by the way, I can't absolve the mom here. Why is this guy with this kind of record being allowed to be in charge of her infant daughter and two-year-old? That makes no sense to me at all. So when things like this happen, we think, well, why wasn't that guy locked up? Well, he wasn't locked up because, again, how many bad policies in our country trace back to the aftermath of George Floyd? An incident where when the process was allowed to run its course, the offending officer, Derek Chauvin, was convicted, found guilty, and is in prison now. The system worked. You know what never came up at Derek Chauvin's trial was racism, which was the immediate hue and cry in the aftermath of the video showing Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd. So we don't have patience to let the system work, but when we do let the system work, it often works. But because of George Floyd, we had to do away with bail and we had to assume that every cop was wrong in every situation and law enforcement was bad, and we see the effects of that around the country, and hopefully we'll start a corrective measure. Pendulum swing too far to one side. The momentum is such, the physics are such that the pendulum inevitably swings backward the other way. Uh, Less, uh, not quite as far the second time. So I hope we're going to get in response to all the violence out there in Columbus, Dayton, Cleveland, Cincinnati, every city out there, what I hope we're going to get is a 
recommitment to punishment, consequences, accountability for crimes. Longer prison terms for people. They're not, I think this guy doesn't know that hitting a baby is wrong. I refuse to believe that people are raised in such a way that they're unclear as to whether or not hitting another person, doing violence to another person, let alone a little baby, that that's not wrong. I, I, I just will never subscribe to that theory because man is born with God's law written on their heart. You know, hitting someone is wrong, violence is wrong, stealing is wrong, murder is wrong. Those are just inherent recognitions that we all have, and people who choose to do them are people who should be kept away from the rest of us who choose not to do them who discipline ourselves not to act on our animalistic nature. So I know that at some point in time, I'm waiting for it, set your clock by this, Andrew Ginther and the City Council of Columbus are going to talk about the historic gains that they've made this past year in curbing crime in the city of Columbus. Because in the last two years, we've had record murder totals each year. And last year, we were over 200. And this year, unless we have some kind of a dramatic uptick in murders over the final two months of the year, we're not going to come close to last year's total. But 120 murders, and that's where we are now after a 21-year-old was found shot in his car in Linden uh, on Sunday night. He died. 120 murders is a lot, is a lot in Columbus, Ohio. And it wouldn't surprise me if we get close to 135, 140 before the end of the year. That's an unacceptable number. I was working in a local newsroom when Columbus hit 100 for the first time, and it was probably 20 years ago. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. We kept track on a whiteboard. Yeah. Scary. Very scary. it's, It's out of control in Columbus and everywhere. And it's going to be, I hope, a big part of what decides these midterm elections. And you know, what the Democrats do is they try to say, well, violence is up in Republican states. You can't begin to equate the safety of living in Columbus with the safety of living in, you know, your average, like, let's say, county seat, like uh, Belfountain, Urbana, Coshocton, Newark. You can't begin to equate the two. So, Ginther... And the mayors of Dayton, Cincinnati, Cleveland, their cities are violent. And the way they exonerate themselves is to hide behind those murder totals in their city by saying, well, look, look, Ohio's governed by a Republican. Ohio's a Republican state. Yeah, you don't get to plead that if your entire city council and every decision maker is a Democrat. Democrat.